1: Welcome back to The Midnight Myth, everybody's favorite philosophy, history, pop culture, all the intersections of all the cool, nerdy, awesome, interesting things. As always, I am very excited to be here this week. Um, A lot going on out there in terms of great stories being told, great narratives happening, and a lot of things that we could talk about. However, I think I can speak for Laurel and myself when I say, an amazing thing happened. BoJack Horseman is back. Season five just launched on Netflix. And it is, without a doubt, one of my favorite shows at this point. And we thought no better Midnight Mythian mission than to discuss BoJack Horseman, the TV show, what it means to us, what these five season means, recap and reflect, because... If you're a fan of BoJack, that show can do something unique. And its unique thing is that it can both punch you in the face and make you laugh and come back for more. And I don't know of another show that has that power, that ability. And so we have to bring it to the table and talk about it.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to be here on this one, too. It it really is one of the funniest and one of the saddest shows on television right now and exemplifying what an animated sitcom can be in this era where we can populate a a TV show universe with anthropomorphic animals and beautiful bright colors and also tell people to look inward and examine whether or not they are doing the best they can for the people around them and the world that they're on. So it's a show that's making us all really look harder at who we are. And that's not always something that you expect from an animated show on Netflix. So definitely one of our favorite stories that's out there right now. And something that we're excited to recap, something that we're excited to say, you know, we just finished watching the latest season. How did it make us feel? Uh, What do they know? Do they know things? Let's find out. Uh, And what do we expect going forward from this very unique, very exciting storytelling um,
1: universe? Fantastic. So So before
0: we jump in, I just want to say the conversation, as you know, never begins or ends here on the podcast. It is all about how you engage with us. So join in wherever feels best for you. You can reach us on social media on Twitter at The Midnight Myth on Instagram at Midnight Myth Podcast, and on Facebook. You can also head over to our website, www.midnightmyth.com. There's a contact form there, as well as some blog material and extra content. And if you're listening on a podcast listening app like Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, make sure you hit subscribe and leave us a rating or a review if you can, if you have the time. It really helps us get out there to a larger audience and grow this conversation a little bit further.
1: So let's jump in and I want to start with some really big picture things if you'll permit me. Um the the space to start very big picture. Um Bojack as a as a show is both comedic, it's bizarre, it's weird, but I think it asks a some very huge fundamental questions. Yeah, sure. So I want to take us back into a bit of a like historical journey here. The culture that came to be our culture, meaning our culture, American culture, is birthed from a period called the Enlightenment. And the Enlightenment is known as the Enlightenment because it triumphed reason over superstition. What do I mean by that? Medieval Western European values were based upon a cosmological worldview where there is an order set by divine providence, which we are all a part of. There are no individuals in this order. Everyone is a piece in the hierarchy that exists in this gigantic cosmological machine designed to prep humanity for the afterlife. The Enlightenment comes around and says, there's tons of problems with this. One, there's no reason to believe this. Two, there's no evidence that supports it. Uh, Three, It is oppressive that the individual is actually the most precious unit of society. And if we unlock the individual's potential, more uh, social good will come. It uh, smashed these systems of the monarchy, of the Catholic hierarchy that supported the monarchy, of mercantilism, the idea that the king can support how goods are transported through his merchant class. And it, it just deconstructed and destroyed all of these ideas and brought about the idea that at the core of it, humanity is fundamentally rational, that we can use reason, argument, experiment to understand the world around us, that we can apply these principles to our politics, we can apply these principles to our education, and out of that came the modernity that we know. Right. This uh, Enlightenment mentality led to things like the Industrial Revolution, the Technological Revolution. It had a backlash in Marxism that pushed back against it and gave us this world that we have now. And there have been some unintended consequences to basing a worldview around, or pardon me, a society around an Enlightenment worldview. And those consequences are If the universe is fundamentally rational, there's organized principles, and it's about the individual unlocking the individual's potential, what does the individual mean? And some would even argue and say that we are living in what's called a post-God era. And I don't say this to offend religious people, but if the universe is rational and not superstitious in nature, is there room for a God? And many have argued that there isn't room for God in our society, and in that there is a lack of fundamental meaning. So this is a really long intro to say that.
0: Yeah, but I, I, I got you. Go on.
1: Bojack Horseman is a character who is a individual who has pursued his individual pursuits and pursues them at all costs and has gotten tremendous fame and wealth, all of the great material objectives that we say we all want in our world and yet is crushed under the weight of wondering if he even means anything. And this is the sort of uh, crux of how we get to a particular philosophy we've discussed before, but I think Bojack brings to light and that is existentialism.
0: Yes. So as you were introducing the enlightenment, I... I could see exactly where you were going with this path to existentialism because if we think of the enlightenment and the world that it has paved the way for, it's, uh, it's about unlocking human potential. It's about human beings awakening to their inner reason and ration and higher virtue. And while I think both you and I will agree that is uh, some of the most powerful and most important and, and truest good Um, that philosophy has done for societies, it also is a tremendous amount of pressure to place on the individual in a world that has previously heretofore relied upon higher powers or placed um, faith in higher powers or said, you know, there is a reason for the suffering that I am feeling. And what the Enlightenment paves the way toward in existentialism is a a reckoning with the fact that we are in charge of our own destiny, and that's not necessarily as freeing as we would like it to be. So where this intersects with, um, with BoJack Horseman, there is a wonderful quote from, I think, season one. Of Bojack Horseman when he's talking to Diane, who tells him he's responsible for his own happiness. And Bojack, who is mentally ill, a substance abuser, and just washed up and empty inside, is like, I'm responsible for my own happiness. I can't even be responsible for my own breakfast. And as funny a line as this is, it's something I think a lot of us can relate to in the sense that we live in a dog-eat dog or horse eat horse or uh you know, cat eat um meow meow fuzzy face. <laughs> um World where being told that our individual hard work or determination or what we set out for ourselves is where we have to place all of our uh, all of our glory and all of our blame actually hurts in a lot of ways. Uh, There is something crushing and not freeing about. That radical freedom that existentialism affords us if we live in a post God world. Does that make sense?
1: Totally. So I'm glad you brought that up because I want to bring up my man, Jean Paul Sartre, mm-hmm. favorite mm. French uh, philosopher, or favorite French existential philosopher. I would encourage everyone to experience uh, and read a book by his called Existentialism and Human Emotions, uh, where Jean Paul Sartre applies the principles of psychoanalysis. To existential moral philosophy. And in it, he has one of his famous, famous um, sayings in that mankind, and I think we can interpret that as now humankind and horse kind and horse kind and cat kind are condemned to be free. Yes. And so I would like to go on this thought experiment that Sartre goes on that I think we see BoJack constantly in. Mm. And that is the failure of morality to tell us what to do. And that in the end of it, we only have our choices. And those are the only things that we can make. And that we are condemned to make them because there are no actual moral principles that can tell us the right versus the wrong in a real moral problem. And in Existentialism and Human Emotions, Sartre talks about a student that came to him um, and I'm probably going to brutalize this because it's been years since I've read it, but it's something to the effect of there is a, a, a student comes to Sartre and asks for advice. And he asks for advice because his father died fighting in World war one and uh, fighting the Germans. And cause they were French, his brother then goes to fight the Germans in World war two and his brother dies fighting the Germans. And here he is feeling as a French patriot It is his duty to avenge these two wrongs, to defend his country and go out and fight the Germans in World War II. There's a problem though. He has his mother who is grief stricken, unable to work and depressed due to losing a husband and a child to war. And he wants to go to Sartre. If I leave my mother and I die or something worse, you know, who's going to take care of my mother? She can barely take care of herself. Yet I know as a able-bodied young man, I should, as a French patriot, as someone who wants vengeance for my brother and, and father dying to the Germans fight, what should I do? And Sartre illustrates that he said to him one word, choose. Oof. There is no actual right and wrong in this scenario There is no other moral philosophy that would tell this young man what the right thing to do is. All he's left with is his freedom and the consequences of his choice. And he is condemned to make this choice because whatever he does, there will be harm. There will be wrong. There will be right. There'll be emotional vindication and emotional loss. And we see in season five, Bojack constantly at these crossroads having to make choices Mm. and having to live with them and in particular in season five he truly wants to own his choices however sometimes it doesn't work so well so some specific examples he becomes a kind of almost reluctant and then reluctant feminist you know um talking point yeah. in season five. Yeah. Because he just stumbles into it and realizes, hey, this is good for his career. So he embraces feminism. And then he he says, How about men don't choke women? Only two at the end of the season, in a drugged out, you know, total blacked out, like messed up scenario, chokes a woman that he loves, almost kills her. And realizing this, He wants to to, to come out and say, I'm an actual abuser. I should face the consequences of this. And I think this moment with Bojack, as fucking terrible as it was to see him choke Gina almost to death, the fact that he wants to take responsibility for it is one of the first real signs of, of him understanding the the sort of Sartre existentialist moral philosophy that he has to choose. He's condemned to be free. He made a choice, which was to go on a drug bender. He took out his anger at women and misdirected it to someone who didn't deserve it. And now he must face the consequences. And although she convinces him not to come clean for the sake of her career, ironic, tragic, and terrible in the face of these me too movement he ends up making the choice to finally go to rehab and sober up.
0: It is a good sign. And we are left with a lot of good signs at the ends of uh, these these seasons sometimes that um, that Bojack will find his way. And it is a good sign that he is interested in being held accountable um, and interested in in this world. But it reminds me that story that you brought up from Existentialism and Human Emotion um, of another precursor to existentialism in Kierkegaard, who the, the what you were illustrating just now is in making those choices, there is no inherent right or wrong. There is no path where uh, you can feel completely vindicated and there is no path where you won't feel any um, any regret, but that's the that's the the major thing there is regret. There will always be regret, no matter which decision you make, um, which Kierkegaard tells us in in precursing, Um, existentialism, that regret is a huge part of that. And Bojack is a character who is constantly and consistently haunted by his past. And that pushes a lot of his choices in the now is regret and an attempt to atone for something in the past that can no longer be atoned for. So we're getting this challenge in Bojack to atone for what he did to Charlotte, atone for what he did to Penny in how he treats Gina, to atone for what he did to Hollyhock in how he treats Diane. Um, and we have this this constant inability for Bojack to see what's directly in front of him and make the, um, the proper choice in the moment or make any choice in the moment that he can be proud of because he is unable to... Uh, overcome regret for the past
1: well what i like uh so much about the show is that um it does not glorify his mistakes in his being Absolutely, bojax yeah and that it exposes what a like uh, it, it is not a glamorous tale of like a hollywood anti-hero that we should all kind of secretly want to be you know it's more like man this dude's really fucked up and really pathetic and the central theme in question of BoJack through all five seasons is can he change and become a better person right and for me I'm rooting for yeah I want him to change and become a better person it's why I watch the show I hope he gets there I hope he becomes a Princess Carolyn who can finally hold her child you know I hope he becomes a Diane who finally realizes I'm gonna turn down a promotion from my job in season five because you know I can't perpetuate a, double, a cycle yeah yeah this doesn't it who align I with I my values. Yeah, I, I haven't earned this yet, and so it, even though it might hurt my career, I'd rather focus on myself. You know, I would. I I hope he gets to those those realizations and those levels, and I hope he breaks his cycles because we can see it externally. But what I also love about the show is that I can empathize with his vicious cycle. It doesn't just have a vicious cycle; it tells me why he does it. And it, that's what makes me root for his change and root for him to become a better person. And um, it's why I think the show is so fucking awesome.
0: So there is a um, there's a reaction here, I think, in the creation of BoJack to the golden age of the antihero in television, especially
1: Ooh, elaborate um, on that. What's so the golden age of the antihero?
0: We've talked about the antihero and how prevalent it is in our storytelling as a sort of Postmodern society, right? So, if we look at like this resurgent Renaissance of television, that kind of was birthed with HBO starting its original content, but then with AMC and Showtime um, building their own original content, and Netflix streaming services coming out with constant new stuff for us to get addicted to. Uh, some of the major uh, heavy hitters in this uh, this era are The Sopranos, which we talked about at length on the podcast, Um, are Mad Men, are Breaking Bad, are several of these shows...
1: Can I throw one in? Yeah, please. Sons of Anarchy.
0: Sons of Anarchy, Californication. uh, There's a huge, huge uh, roster. The Wire. The Wire of shows that focus on primarily white dudes... Uh, not exclusively but primarily white dudes in anti-hero situations where we are either watching a character descend into being a villain like Walter White or we are watching a character who begins as a like as a a villain traditionally but who is kind of glamorized and sexified like Tony Soprano uh, because they're a mob boss or or they're an ad man who uh, you know has affairs everywhere and and has this glamorous lifestyle in the 60s. So this is a this is something we've talked about before and it's it's everywhere, right? We identify with the antihero, we identify with the kind of sexy elements of being against the grain or being against the status quo or being rebellious against what's traditionally considered right versus wrong. So I'm interested in what Bojack posits because in its premise, we get the same kind of show as The Sopranos or Mad Men, right? We get a character who is a washed-up Hollywood star. So there is already the surroundings of glamorous Hollywood. There is, or Hollywood, sorry. Um, there is already like booze and drugs and substance abuse and like beautiful people and beautiful surroundings and a house on a cliff and lots of money and you can do whatever you want with it. And we could have a lot of fun just watching this guy be a dick and laughing at his exploits and being one step removed from it, but we are not. We are never once in this show, BoJack Horseman, tricked into believing that he has it all, right? We are never once tricked into believing that we would trade our life for his lifestyle because we understand that he is a a piece of a deeply dysfunctional machine and a deeply dysfunctional family um, cycle that is going to take tremendous effort to fix. We are never rooting for him to continue uh, exploiting women or uh, screwing over Todd or Mr. Peanut Butter. We never root for him to get back at Mr. Peanut Butter, even though he's essentially an irritant or an antagonist to BoJack. We are constantly, as you said, rooting for Bojack to be a better person, which I don't think we could say about Tony Soprano or Walter White. We're never like, God, I wish they would clean up and get straight. Uh, this is a show where we are shown the ugly truth of what the anti-hero narrative has afforded us, which is an ability to blind ourselves to the trauma and indecency and pain and struggle of characters that we glorify in less moral situations.
1: Well, well, well said. And I I agree with everything that you said there. And I think season five of BoJack takes that to its next level Mm -hmm. in that it embraces the idea of the Me Too movement, of the idea of um, Hollywood as a place that's toxically masculine, that gives more chances to men than it does to women and that men are given a permission structure to misbehave constantly. And it exposes that to the point where it has a sex robot running a, a streaming company that is like clearly like meant to, to represent the pure, just like unapologetic men can be these just like, you know, sex robots just horribly mistreating everyone. Finally, it comes to a head and the sex robot gets another job immediately after being fired Henry as CEO. Horrible. Yeah, You know, gets the, the, the job at Disney, Amazon, Google, like super master conglomerate says, come on and, and work for us. Uh, to the idea that Todd can fail up. Yeah. You know, Todd gets to constantly stumble into promotions when he has no ambitions and no desire to do anything with his life other than menial tasks suddenly finds success just because he is a white man. And then furthermore, the, the biggest, you know, example of that Bojack becomes the mouthpiece of the feminist movement simply because he's a man. And it turns out he is in his heart, a, Baroque misogynist,
0: and it's not afraid to align our protagonist, our POV character, with Harvey Weinstein, with Mel Gibson, with Woody Allen, with uh, real Hollywood Hollywood stars and celebrities who have abused and assaulted and attacked and exploited women for decades in a structure that allows it, and it's also not afraid to uh indict bojack in that moment uh you were just saying how he becomes the mouthpiece of this movement early in the um in the series and then later is uh is shown to be hypocritical i think this season of bojack is extremely interested in showing us all our hypocrisy right so um the the real life corollary for that that is first coming to my mind is the aziz ansari deal where or or Joss Whedon even, where these are dudes whose public personas or their body of work is generally perceived as super feminist or liberal or advancing of liberal feminist uh, ideas, but then they are revealed through um, through journalism or through accounts of uh, of those who are close to them to be less than savory in their um, in their behaviors. Um, Bojack becomes the kind of the corollary for that in that he comes off as this feminist liberal guy but then turns out to be the biggest hypocrite in that uh in that same sense. So there is a reminder that even the like quote-unquote good ones we have to keep our eyes on or we can't we can't excuse bad behavior because the men in our circles claim to be quote unquote feminist. does that mean yeah I yes it you makes, get
1: that? yeah it, I, it, it hits home for me because the, you know, as a straight white guy who grew up in a society who I was taught I could be whatever I wanted to be and internalize that and believe that, I haven't always been a feminist, um, and I haven't always uh, done a good enough job either through my own actions or through stopping the actions of others, sticking up for and defending for the rights of women. I haven't always uh, been the gentleman that I am now. You know, I've never done anything like sexual assault, you know, but I've I've absolutely been guilty of being a, like, dick, straight, bro white dude. Sure. You know, and I have. And, you know, and I understand the permission structure that exists in society that enables you to do that. And I understand how you're able to continue that. And the thing that I can take from BoJack is that you do have to, at some point in in, in alignment with Jean-Paul Sartre, ask yourself, what type of person am I now? What type of person do I want to be? And can I and will I change? Luckily for me, I met an amazing woman who inspired me to become a better man and we started a podcast together and that's my co-host, Laurel. And BoJack is in that same sort of adolescent boy cycle where he doesn't see others as full independent individuals. All he sees is his own bullshit and his own pain. And because of that, he's allowed to use others as a mechanism and a vehicle to get over his own pain rather than confront his own pain. And consistently he's given the ability to repeat this over and over and over again. And the only person in season five really truly holding him to account is Diane.
0: Yeah. I was just going to bring up Diane. Um, because that's a lot of what it takes to push Bojack to even think about being a better person. Right? Is having someone else on the outside tell him what a dick he's being. Because Bojack's not unself-aware. Bojack is extremely self-aware. He knows he's a piece of shit. We saw this in his uh, in his panic attack in season four, where he constantly reminds himself that he is terrible. But at least he knows he's terrible, so he's better than all the terrible people who don't know they're terrible. And yet, he's unwilling to make the effort to truly change the course of what he does. So it requires those outside forces of Diane, of Hollyhock, of Princess Carolyn, especially. Although we could say that uh, you know Todd and Mr. Peanut Butter play a little bit of a hand, but primarily it's the women in his life. And whenever he's got a, a love companion like Gina or Wanda those are the people who are holding him to a higher standard and causing him to do a little bit better. So there is something to be said about the emotional labor borne by the women on this show toward helping the men become better people that is uh, heartbreakingly uh, accurate to the society that we live in today where relationships, and uh, and not just relationships, but uh, w- social structures are held up by the work that women do to hold men accountable and yet don't get the credit for.
1: Can I ask you a question in that same vein about two pieces of, of plot points that worked in the show. And I want to get your reaction to them thinking of season five, the hark as the arc, pardon me, not the hark as a whole. So um, you mentioned that the women doing the emotional work to prop up the men. And I do agree that that is absolutely true. How do you feel about, A, Princess Carolyn's role in trying to cover up and, and pretend that BoJack didn't try to strangle to death Gina because BoJack was so high he doesn't remember, which is not an excuse that makes it okay. Right. And then, B, Gina's decision to be like, this will mess up my career if it comes out that right. you did try to choke me. And I don't want this crime that you perpetuated against me to come to light for the sake of my career. Both women kind of putting their career ahead of the actual act. And I'm just curious what your sort of reaction to that is.
0: This is a fascinating counterpoint to a lot of the conversations that we are having today. Um, and perspectives that are not necessarily offered every day that we're constantly seeing, but I'm so glad that the characters on BoJack Horseman offered them up. Of these two women characters who are deeply embroiled in this scandal, in this strangle gate, if you will, um, that if it gets out that it is what it is, that BoJack did what he did, then the people who will suffer most for his indiscretion are the female victims are the women who are in his circle, which is extremely true. And this says something um, really powerful that I think a lot of us know, and hopefully a lot of people listening to the podcast know, but an even larger portion of people in this country don't know, which is that if somebody comes forward and reports sexual abuse, reports sexual harassment, reports being exploited by men in the workplace, on the street, uh, while driving, at the DMV, at a restaurant, wherever they are. The person who suffers the
1: most. At a party with a potential Supreme Court nominee when they were teenagers. Sorry.
0: Or uh, or a, a pre-Olympic swimmer in college. The person who suffers the most is the person who comes forward. Uh, there is a dangerous misconception that women who come forward and say, I was attacked, I was assaulted, I was raped by this person are doing so to get famous. Um, There are people who will attack the women who accused Bill Cosby of drugging and raping them that those women are just looking to get their 15 minutes of fame or the money from the settlement. Um, When in fact, coming forward is about reliving the trauma and paying something forward for those who come after you, which is a tremendously brave and powerful and difficult thing to do. So this is something that we should commend those who come forward for doing, but we cannot condemn those who don't come forward for not doing, if that makes some sense. We cannot say to the genas of the world that you should have come forward exactly when it happened, because we should also support the genas of the world in saying, I value My privacy, I value not being remembered for this scandal for the rest of my life. I value having a chance at making a career because I was able to put this behind me over uh, having that kernel of justice. So I hope that answers that question in some kind of way. And for Princess Carolyn too, this is a moment not just of her trying to cover up something that a friend of hers did, but a moment of my welfare, my career is more important than this guy being able to come clean. I don't know if that, um, if that answers your question, but that's kind of how I align and how I feel about those characters, which, like I said, in no way says they shouldn't have come forward, but I think justifies and... Um, and celebrates the choices that they did make.
1: Yeah, I do feel like Gina really gets to own that experience, and she gets to take power back from BoJack by being able to dictate whether or not he does or doesn't go public. And I think her argument is very pragmatic in that if BoJack confesses on TV that he did actually assault Gina by choking her because he was so high and so delusional he took out his innate anger and women on her that that would potentially ruin all of Gina's career prospects. I don't however, feel like the show did enough to justify or not necessarily justify, but give me the perspective that princess Carolyn has in it. I think her, that's fair. Yeah, Her decision-making is purely about saving the show rather than about protecting this other, you know, actor who got assaulted right you know and i felt like they were they did a little injustice to her character by not giving her a little more in this
0: i think that's fair and to a certain extent it is gina's story it is gina's trauma to own and for any other character to take that away from her i think would be unfair but But i i think
1: you would think pc would have by pc i mean princess caroline pc would have like some remorse and sure and show some regret like I guess I have to cover up that my friend, ex-lover, Bojack, who I would do anything for, did just try to strangle someone in front of me, you know, and I have to protect the show. And that is a really horrible moral scenario to be in.
0: I think you're spot on. And the the beauty of Bojack is that the trauma that the characters suffer from season to season does not end with a finale, uh, this is something that will likely be revisited in future seasons, just as the trauma of what Bojack did to Penny, of what Beatrice did to Hollyhock continues to reverberate throughout seasons. So I do hope it's something that is expanded upon next season with regards to how it affected Bojack, Diane, Flip, Princess Carolyn, Gina, everybody who is in that triangle of trauma.
1: Um, I'm glad you brought that up. Well,
0: One thing that I wanted to say here, and I think it's related to me saying those couple of words just now, is that BoJack Horseman as a show is very, very caught up in perception, right? This is a show that takes place in Los Angeles, in Hollywood, in the world of television and movies and cameras and paparazzi and celebrity culture. So this is a story where perception matters, whether that's you looking into an ad that is a mirror that says you are secretariat, or it's somebody looking at a picture of you doing something unsavory, or it's people watching the real you come through a performance on television. Every action that the characters take, everything that the characters do and every choice that they make is perceived by someone. There is almost nothing that happens in solitude or in a vacuum. And so it brings me to a really important episode of this latest season called Free Churro, um, where Bojack essentially delivers a 25-minute monologue at his mother's funeral as a eulogy. The most important piece, the most important through line of that entire monologue where Bojack recounts the kind of stages of his grief up until now and everything that he has been through with his mother and his father and his family comes down to being alone with her in a hospital after all of the abuse and neglect that she put him through and her looking at him in a moment of seeming lucidity and saying, I see you. And Bojack takes that very personally and thinks that that is extremely significant for someone that he has always wanted to understand him to just say very simply, I see you. This whole show is about how we are seen, how we see ourselves and what narratives are crafted in that perception in this world of surface and what's below the surface of perception, which I think comes through to what that triangle of trauma is. If you want to elaborate a little bit on that.
1: Sure. The triangle of trauma is a theory that comes out of uh, psychoanalysis Um, memory serves correct, was originally um, discussed by Freud in that in every trauma, there are three different poles that happen. And in each pole of uh, each point of the triangle, there's an equal level of psychic trauma. So there is the person that perpetuates the trauma. Think of the um, drunken father who beats his wife. There's the victim of that beating you know, of that that trauma, the wife who's being struck. And then there is the witness. And in this metaphor would be the, um, the child who watches the father strike the mother. And all three are, and it's not to say that one person is more or less responsible. Obviously the person who strikes their wife is more responsible and more morally repre- reprehensible. But the theory is, is that psychically they all suffer for it. Um, You know, and because they all suffer, they all carry these psychic wounds with them. And BoJack structures a lot of its trauma in triangular formations, whether that is um, BoJack, you know, witnessing his parents fight. Right. You know, whether that's BoJack being abused by his mother with the father standing by whether that is Bojack choking Gina with Princess Carolyn and Mr. Peanut butter
0: and a camera standing by
1: all watching yeah. uh, forming a, a triangle, whether that is Beatrice Bojack's mother uh, poisoning Hollyhock Hawk and Bojack having to witness it. It structures a lot of its trauma in this triangle and in oh God, I forget the episode of season five where Bojack says, I believe it is to Diane that, hey, I do these terrible things, but I'm also the one that suffers the most yeah, because of yeah. that. And it's an interesting thing saying, I think yeah. that's
0: the Filbert premiere episode, right?
1: Yeah, I think it is where, hey, I perpetuate these horrible things and I do these horrible things and I know they're horrible things. And what he is essentially saying is, I am psychically wounded by these terrible things that I do because I'm psychically wounded and that I am condemned in my freedom that I know I made the choice right. to be shitty and I live with the choice to be shitty every time I do it, yet I know I'm free, I do it anyway. And I think that is a important point in his call to eventually get himself into rehab, some kind of professional help for his his, his shattered psychic you know, lifestyle.
0: But again, it takes Diane, right? It takes a woman to respond to what he's saying about being the most traumatized by his own actions. Who is
1: often also traumatized by being the witness, by being yeah. the friend. He does something shitty. He, What does he do when something shitty is happening? He goes to Diane and he tries to get her involved and very rare, and most of the time she says, this is a bad idea, it'll hurt you. And he doesn't listen. And Diane says at the end, how painful it is for her to see Bojack be so fucked up. Yeah. And that it doesn't matter though, she'll still be there for him. I think so much of season five comes down to the idea of being condemned to be free. And what do you deal, how do you deal with trauma? What is the mechanism by which that you deal with it? And how do you get over it or not get over it? But at the end of the day, it comes down to a post- enlightenment individual and that that individual has to make a choice in a moralist and godless world and i'm not saying that that is the exact way the world is organized that's up for debate but that's the world that bojack is in
0: and this idea that i'm i'm bringing up about beholding about i see you about being perceived by others which brought you to explain this triangle of trauma i think comes down to asking us the question of does our witness bear responsibility do we have to place responsibility in our witness to um make us better or is it heroic for our witness to make us better? So I think what I'm trying to say here is like, if Diane continues to be a witness to Bojack's bad behavior, and for four seasons she has let it happen and sometimes been drawn in by its orbit, but finally in season five, she drives Bojack to rehab, should we have been relying on her the entire time to make Bojack a better person? Or is she now like the hero of the story?
1: All right. So I'm glad that you brought up that question. And I have a very um, strong opinion about it. Yeah, no, because Bojack is responsible for his own happiness. And it may start with Bojack being responsible for his own breakfast. But he is responsible. Diane cannot make Bojack change. All she can do is drive him to rehab. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the 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 point that, yes, Diane is a hero in the show. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And yes, her undying devotion to BoJack as a friend reminds you of the power and beauty of friendship and the choice to stand next to someone, even when you know they're broken and even know that you know that they're in pain and willing to put yourself through that. Um, it also symbolizes how much Diane and BoJack are similar. yeah in some of their, both, both of their like worst and best impulses. But at the end of the day, I think Bojack in particular season five, I'd say actually all Bojack is about the choices that you make and that you do have free will and you do have to choose. And Bojack continually chooses to perpetuate the cycle. And all Diane can do is be like, Hey man, when you're ready to break the cycle, I'm standing here with a hammer. Yeah. And I'm going to break it with you, but you know, you got to make the first swing.
0: Cuz it's not her responsibility. It's not. And it it is BoJack's responsibility to concho- to choose, but what you just said, the word continually is the most important part. It's like at the end of I think season 1 or season 2 when the baboon is running up the hill and then he says to BoJack who's trying to run, it gets easier every day, it gets a little easier, but you got to do it every day. That's the hard part. You can't just choose one day to try and be a better person. You have to choose it every single day again and again and again. You have to make every choice or as many choices as possible right. It echoes another Diane sentiment where she says there are no good guys and bad guys. There are just guys. And at the end of the day, we try to make more good choices than bad ones and hope that the good outweighs the bad. Um, Every single one of us has to make every choice independently of the choices that we made before. I think Diane making those excuses, excuses is the wrong word, but saying there's no good guys, no bad guys, uh, trying to justify Bojack's behavior, standing by Bojack after everything that he's done and driving him to rehab is another moment of us examining perception and another moment of us examining our own hypocrisy And it's a challenging, um, in a very real sense of the word, I think Diane is trying to challenge us, the viewer, in the wake of how we have reacted to so much cataclysmic celebrity abuse that has come to light, which is such a good thing that we know now, that we know that the men who have been doing shitty things in the shadows are not safe anymore, and it's all coming out, hopefully, that more of it will continue to come to light and we'll be able to hold men accountable. I think Diane, standing by BoJack, also challenges us to say, all right, what do we do next? Once we banish men from their professions, once we hold them, their feet to the fire, once we hold them accountable, what do we do next? It tells us not to punish ourselves for giving another chance to the world
1: yeah you know i think of all of the like long list of faults and horrible things that bojack does because we root for bojack to change and we believe that we he can change it compels me to be mindful of the momentary reaction and the sort of digital curation of outrage that we see right now to maybe pause yeah and think through it and be like there are consequences we are all humans we all make mistakes this is not to say that those who perpetuate crime should get off scot free no they should not quite the opposite those who perpetuate crimes should be punished for said crimes but the idea being that um in a in a we all deserve the benefit of being able to be like, hey, if I walked in your shoes, would I be as terrible as you? And if we had BoJack Horseman's life, wouldn't we be self-obsessed narcissists as well? Like, would we make better choices if we had BoJack's, um, you know, same exact conditions? Maybe yes, maybe we'd make worse ones. But at the end of the day, basic human empathy is the mechanism by which we can heal the wounds that we are seeing come to surface in our world and in Bojack's world. Because Bojack pretends to be feminist early in the season. And it's because he pretends that it doesn't work. It's because it's fake. If he genuinely believed it, And if he genuinely internalized the message of seeing women as full and complete selves as full of complete humans, he wouldn't have choked Gina at the end of the season. Right. Right. She wouldn't have been the object by which he focused all his anger on, you know? So it's because it's pretend that's the problem. Yeah. And we live in a world that sort of encourages this mass pretend conformity. Yeah. That we need to safeguard ourselves and ask ourselves for genuine moments. So, Bojack, in many ways, is a stand-in in in this season for like a Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein deserves all the terrible things that have happened to him.
0: Yeah, he's going to the bad place. Right? Right.
1: He's absolutely going to the bad place if there is such a place in the afterlife. However, because he's going to the bad place doesn't mean that we still shouldn't look at Harvey as less than human because he is still a human being. Yeah. Right. And he is a deeply flawed, problematic human being, drunk on his own power. But if we can see the world through his eyes, don't we get a little closer to mending, I don't know, maybe this is the wrong thing, you know, because the way you're looking at me, but don't we get close to mending these horrible wounds in our culture?
0: No, it's a super complicated thing that the season of BoJack is putting forth, because if, if I'm just looking at this, uh, in the wake of what has happened in the last couple of years, especially in Hollywood, there is a deep amount of anger there, and I I think it's justified. That I have a lot of anger toward a lot of men in Hollywood, and a lot of women have that same anger and vengeance and and longing for revenge against those men who have hurt women so much not just in that industry, but in all industries. But there is also sort of a more cosmic part of me that wants to look and say, every single human being is worthwhile and worth saving. And so there is something about identifying, especially with Diane in this season, that reminds us that like we might align ourselves with shitty people sometimes, and we can't just go back on those alignments. We can't just go back on our friendships because once you've aligned yourself with a person, you're not breaking that alignment, right? So Diane tells the story of the friend she had in high school who ditched her for more popular people, but then when her mom got sick, she was still there for her because even though she hated her, they were still friends and she needed her. She feels the same way about BoJack. It's like even though this person has gone down a horrible spiral that they cannot come back from. And all season she's been learning shitty things about Bojack that make her want to not be friends with him anymore. He needs her. So in our worst moments, we need people the most. We need our friends the most. So there's a part of me that looks to Diane especially and looks to the season of Bojack and says, the people who have hurt us the most sometimes need us the most. And although I'm not, I'm not ready necessarily to do the emotional labor, and most women shouldn't be expected to do the emotional labor to get people back from the edge, um, I think there is something heroic about Diane doing it specifically that is inspirational to me.
1: Heavy, man, heavy. yeah. You know, and BoJack, God, it's a fucking wacky comedy that brings out... This show and is
0: the show started with eating all the muffins yeah. and making this the navy seal angry.
1: And it <laughs> it hits onto a nuance and a broader context and a fantastic deconstruction of american celebrity culture, its inherent toxicity, its inherent fakeness, it's its desire to do justice to do wrong and in someone trying to actually do justice ends up doing more and it's just it's complex and it's amazing and i'm gonna say i don't have any of the answers and while standing at the precipice when standing at the abyss i will take the words of jean paul sartre and i will choose and until next time be kind
0: be kind